glasses on. I'm at a funeral. Oh, sunglasses. Yeah. Are we live? Fuck it. Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Sheffield, along with my good friend, Artemis Brower. Artie, how you doing, my friend? We're good. We're good. We're making it. We're surviving. We're here. We're good, man. What about yourself? No complaints. It's a short week for me. I don't know about you. A uh, short week for me here. No work uh, tomorrow? No work tomorrow. I'm off. Yep. Three-day weekend. I don't work either tomorrow. Got, got to mow the yard. I'm on dad duty. So, yeah, it's all good. Life's good, man. Life's real good. Uh, episode 170. Yeah. 170 of these things, Artie. Can you believe that people tune in every single week to listen to us? Uh, we we used to talk about this quite a bit, but, like, every time we hit a number, a, a round number, like that zero number with 170, it's always kind of like, hey, like we're we're gonna try to bring the juice. We try to bring the juice every week, but it, it just feels like we we need to bring the juice even more sometimes. And, and those round numbers are when we try to do it. Like this is, I mean, it's a big episode. Gonna preview ECU, Florida Atlantic. Talk about ECU's near upset over over Tulane, and then uh, and then maybe talk some talk some hardwood, talk some talk some basketball. Uh, but Artie. Number 70. You got one? I do have one. Um, this guy. I have, I have a feeling we're going to have the same one. You, you think we're going to have the same one? Possibly. Is is it a hockey player? No. No. no we're not going to have the same one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, this is actually, this 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 number 70 uh, actually is plays for your favorite team. Uh, so you'll, you'll, you'll know him well. Uh, by the name of Braden Holdby. Plays for the Washington Capitals, Jared Shaffitt's favorite National Hockey League franchise. <laughs> he doesn't still play for the Capitals, does he? I don't. I don't think he still plays. But I know. I know. When I was looking it up, he played there. Uh, I don't. Was, I don't think he's even in the league anymore. But look, he won the Vizina Trophy in 2015. Won the Stanley Cup with the team in he, 2015. He won the. What trophy did he win? Vizina, 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 Vagina. I don't know. However you pronounce it. It, it is what it is. I don't, you know I don't watch hockey like that. I love watching playoff hockey, but I don't watch no regular season hockey like that. So I'm just kind of a casual Fairweather fan. <laughs> but shout out Braden Holdby. That's my 70. He did play. If he's not in the league anymore, doesn't play for the Capitals. He did play for Jared's favorite hockey team, which is the Washington Capitals. So Because Jared is a Washington guy. So Hate the Caps. Uh, <laughs> Artie, last week, <clears throat> last week I said – no player in the NBA had ever worn the number 69. One player tried. Mm-hmm. And when he was told he couldn't, he wore the number 70. Can you take a guess at who it might be? I feel like any player that wants to wear the number 69 knows low-key what that implies. So it has to be somebody with, with a decent personality and a sense of humor. Um, wore it one year. I mean, I want to say Dennis Rodman, but I know that's not it. No, it is the worm, Dennis the Menace, Psycho, Rodzilla. 
He wore the number 20 in the 1999-2000 season with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, only played 12 games that season. Uh, so, only wore the only wore the jersey for for twelve games. Otherwise, he he wore number ten, ninety one, and seventy three. Mm-hmm. All famer, two time All Star, five time NBA champ, uh, eight time All Defensive Player, NBA seventy fifth anniversary team, uh, two time All NBA, two time Defensive Player of the Year. Dennis Rodman, friends with Kim Jong Un. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, his his basketball career is is greatly like underappreciated. He literally is one of the great defensive rebound specimens to ever play basketball. He, he just had a phenomenal career. So, yeah, I mean, it's a part of those Bulls teams. I mean, all in all, just a wild guy. Just a wild guy. Yeah, guy I'd like to guy I'd like to have a beer with. But, um, um, with Dennis Rodman, you're not just gonna have just a beer. It's gonna be some other things in there too. Artie, I, I, you know me. I, those things are not my things. But if he wants to partake, I will not stop him. But I would love to have a drink with Dennis Rodman just to hear some of the stories, the stories about playing with MJ and and some of the other guys. So, uh, yeah, okay. Artie, the Boneyard Podcast is proud to be members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Lots of great shows going on. Lots of uh, we're doing live streams of, of NFL games. Go check it out. VSN Collegiate. Uh, check us out there. Yeah, I mean, I, I love variety sports. I, I love the stuff that we're putting out. I love some of the people that we're working with. Um, check out. There, there's a lot of great content out there. And if yep. you're if you're wanting to hear about a college team that, I mean, if you're wanting to hear about a college team that isn't one and eight. Listen to this podcast and then go listen to, to a podcast about any of the other colleges that we have on there. We have hell, we even have a Vanderbilt podcast, uh, Mizzou podcast. Ooh. So, um, we got some sickos, we got yeah. a, and ECU. Yeah. I believe we may even have an Iowa podcast. This is the this is the podcast network for, for sickos. Um, so Artie, ECU came out hot, came out swinging. Against Tulane, didn't last long. Lasted nope. all fifteen minutes. Forty <laughs> something yards of of offense, one hundred sixty some yards of offense. I don't have it right in front of me uh, in that first quarter, and then they were held to pretty much nothing. Forty seven yards uh, of total offense from the beginning of the second quarter to the end of the game. Uh, ECU. I believe had six total possessions in the game. Yeah. And they didn't turn the ball over at all. Like they protected the ball. They made some pretty smart plays, but like overall couldn't get anything going. Had had they been able to figure out how to score one more time, ECU wins the ball game. That's all they had to do. Defense shut it down. ECU could have won the ball game. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, look, this is um, you same can't shit. Really, it, it's yeah, it's, it's same shit, different day. But you know, you, in, when situations like this, you really do feel for the kids more so than anything because they are they are close. Like they are putting themselves in positions week in and week out to not only compete but to win football games. This past weekend, I mean, you're you're playing number 22, 23, whatever Tulane is. You're playing a top twenty five nationally ranked team. 
in the country with aspirations to make it to a New Year's Six bowl game. Um, and and you and you had them. You had them at home. You had every opportunity to win that game, and you just could not get over the hump and get past it. And so, I mean, yeah, we can come out here and, and talk about, and we will, and, and you know, talk about the, the same stuff, different day kind of mentality. But I just feel for the kids because it would have been a huge win. I, I, I reiterate what Mike Houston said after the game when he said, you know, we wanted to get one at home for Pirate Nation. The crowd was into it early and often. Um, and, and you're right there. Like, you're, you're, you're right there. We've had a terrible season. And you're still right there with a really, really good football club. And you just can't break through. And, yes, it is typical ECU because that's what we do. Um, but what I take away most from that game is that I really, really feel for these athletes that are right there. They're knocking on the door. So many of these games, I mean, it, my God, we could be 8-1. and one. If, if you really study study our film and study what we've done this season, we could, we could be at the top of the leaderboard if we really wanted to be, but it just hasn't fallen our way. We haven't played well. We haven't had, you know, the matchups. We haven't had the the athletes or the the skill, whatever you want to say, the coaching. Um, it just has not fallen fallen our way this season. But above all else, I just really feel for the for the athletes, for the kids. Yeah, I mean, it. I feel for the kids. I worry that some of these guys are are gonna possibly transfer out. Maybe, hopefully not. Hopefully, the culture keeps them in Greenville. Um. But I'm not holding my breath on that. I mean, it's one of those, it's one of those things that uh, I I just feel like I feel like it's one of those things that when you have a season like you're having, and we saw it uh, was was it Tion Robinson, I believe he's the number four edge rusher in the state of North Carolina, was committed to ECU, decommits. Yeah. I think he was even at the game Saturday. Decommits. I mean, this is this is what we're talking about. And I put that and our poor performance. Look, the defense gives you a chance to win every single week. Every single week. I, man, do not count awesome. ECU can win the next three games. Like if something clicks on offense. The next three weeks, which I, I'm not expecting. But if someone were to finally click on offense for a full game, maybe the ham you, you had an extra hamster to the hamster wheel in Donnie's head. I mean, <laughs> if, if the offense can figure it out for the next three weeks, you could get to four wins. I, I think the next three games are all winnable. Last week was winnable. The week before that was winnable. ECU has given themselves plenty of chances and the offense lets them down. And that, that right there and losing, losing commits. Look, ECU is still the number one ranked recruiting class in, in the American right now. Um, but losing commits because of your poor performance, having guys possibly transfer out. That's what I'm concerned about. Because this coaching staff, and I shouldn't say this, Mike Houston has shown that he's not willing to make the changes necessary to win a ball game this year. It's got to be, be changes after the season, though. 
and, yeah, and we but we there should have been changes should have been changes six yeah, weeks yeah 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 there, there should have been changes a while ago but we know it's not going to happen now so it's going to have to happen after the season <clears throat> but i'm telling you you want to you want to see an angry mob mentality angry mob physically keep keep you know what in the building after this <laughs> after this season so and i mean maybe mason can figure it out and Donnie Kirkpatrick, Mike Houston have said this week they're not going to play Raheem Jeter. That's bullshit. He needs to be out there playing. He needs to be getting. He needs to be getting touches every single week from here on out. He won't burn a red shirt year, right? I mean, if not, you're in the same situation you were in this year, next year, unless because you're not developing the quarterback to have the wings. Exactly, unless you're. Saying okay, next year we're bringing in a, a top end transfer quarterback, but guess what? We don't have the funds in the NIL to do that. We don't. We don't have some of the recruiting things that we need right. to be able to do that to get one of those guys that are okay. Maybe they didn't. They couldn't find a starting role in the Power Five, but they're they're looking for a starting role anywhere in FBS. Oh, hey. here's a good football team. Right, fan base. I'll go there, but I also want some money. But like this, this is why it's so important to at least keep your head above water, right? At least stay afloat. Like we weren't expecting to go to you know some great bowl game, win the conference, and and win ten games this season. But you know, at the bare minimum, five, six, seven wins, stay afloat, so that these guys coming in, when you do have guys on the sideline, they see the fan base, see a stadium full, they see okay, this team is competing, they they got something going on here. When you got a when you got a team that's sitting at one and eight. And they're just inept and they're confused and they don't know what's going on. And it's five to 10,000 people in the stadium after halftime. And it just looks like an empty bowl. Like, of course, don't nobody want to come here and play. It's not exciting. It's not an atmosphere nobody wants to be in. So that's why at the bare minimum, the importance to stay afloat is so critical. But I'd ask you to go out here and, and, and go 12 and 0. But damn, and, at least keep your head above water. And to the recruits that are coming to the games and looking at this and like, why would I want to play in front of this crowd? ECU is one and eight and still had the fourth highest group of five attendance this past week. Still had the fourth highest group of five attendance. Yes. This but, past week. but you and I both know how that stadium should look and feel. Yeah. We're not, we're not that stadium should look and feel even with the highest attendance. But can you, you blame the fans? Pick. Can you blame the fans for sitting at home? No, and I, I'm not sitting I'm at not home blaming, on their recliners. I'm not sitting blaming at home the fans at all on their recliners. I'm not blaming the fans at all for not wanting to support this product on the field. I'm just saying we 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 are old enough to know what that stadium yeah. should look like with a decent product on the field, and it's nowhere near that. So, hey, I don't know. A couple years ago, Tulane went two and ten. Just three years ago, two and ten. UCF, they lost, what, 12 games? And then, what, two years later, top 10 team in the country? Who knows? Maybe Mike Houston can figure it out. But he's not going to be able to figure it out with Donnie Kirkpatrick riding his coattails. He's not going to be able to. And I don't know. There needed to have been changes a while ago. I get it. But... And it, it's on him and Mike Houston for not developing a quarterback and having a quarterback ready for this year. Alex Flynn has looked pretty good the last two weeks, but when you're not when you're not having your 
your offense schemed up. Their ECU offense, they can go they can go off the script. Great. They can't do the little things to win in the second, third, and fourth quarter. All right. So uh let, let's see. I, I know we got some some stats here. Um Jeremy Lewis started thirty has started thirty straight games. Julius Wood twenty one straight starts. I'm gonna hate to see those guys gone next year. Um, of course, let's see. Stallions. This is the sixth time ECU has held a team to seventeen or fewer points all season. You said you said it was the sixth time. Yeah, out of nine games, this is the sixth time ECU has held a team. To seventeen or fewer points. Hold on, to people, to people that don't understand that, the 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 landscape of today's football is is more offense heavy than than it has ever been. We're scoring more points than we ever have, and the fact that our defense has held opponents six times to seventeen or fewer, that's criminal. Our record is criminal. This defense does not deserve that. It's absolute criminal. We're basically Iowa. But we, but we don't win. Iowa's at least a bowl team. They're a bowl team, and they still fired their offensive coordinator. And the offensive coordinator was the, is the head coach's brother. Business. Let that sink in. I, I see you Thanksgiving. Love you, but it's business. Um. Let's see. ECU is tied with SMU for the lead with three defensive touchdowns, eight in FBS. This defense is eighth in FBS and defensive touchdowns. It's absurd. And ECU really doesn't turn the, like, yes, they've turned the ball over, but they're not fumbling. They've only fumbled twice and lost the ball this year. Seventh best in FPS. So I just to me, to me, it's the irony of it all because when we started this podcast, we were talking about the opposite of how great our offense is. We can put up these points, we can score on anybody, but the defense is just giving up 40, 50, 60 points, four, five hundred yards a game. The irony of it all to now we're sitting here <laughs> umpteen years later, still doing this podcast, and it's just reversed. The offense is is is, is an F. The defense is as good as maybe we've ever seen while well, we've been ECU fans. It's just it's it's crazy. Absolute madness. It's insane. But Artie, overall, something has to change. And who knows? Maybe maybe they figure it out this weekend. I'm not holding my breath. I feel like I've said that I'm I'm a broken record. And I hate doing this. It it's so hard to come in here every single week and talk about this team. But hey, as far as the good, ECU's offense in the first quarter. Nineteen plays in the first quarter, Artie. Twenty two plays. The rest of the game. What happened? It's just like what? What? I mean, we look so good in the first quarter. We look so good. I, wanted, I, I, I get adjustments are made, but what the hell happened? 
<laughs> at one point in the first quarter, Artie, we led the first down battle eight to one. But what happened? Okay. <laughs> where, where did the juice go? We, what we had, we had those those plays in a concentrated, you know, uh, bulk volume, and that was it. We ain't got nothing else after that. I just, I, I just don't know what happened. I don't know. It, it's so hard to watch, Artie. Like ECU deserves so much better. The defense deserves so much better. I mean, that's Michael Pratt out there. I mean, that's a good damn quarterback. He was was the first player. I don't know if he's the first overall player. First quarterback to be invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl this year. First quarterback. Maybe first player overall. Invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl. I'm telling you, that that guy's going to play on Sundays. No, he's still like the eighth or ninth best quarterback in this year's draft, but yeah, but still a very good quarterback. You you can be the eighth or ninth best quarter. We've seen at times these quarterbacks taken high sometimes don't pan out. That's true. So yeah. Needless to say, we, we, we held a very good quarterback in that offense in check in check. The defense Played played phenomenally. The bad, EC's offense in quarters two, three, and four. The ugly, Coach Houston calling out the fan base after that loss. When when did he call out the fan base? When he talked about there's going to be some hateful comments coming from people oh, sitting okay. in their recliners. Yeah, yeah. There's people sitting Shut the fuck recliners. up. Yeah, Shut the yeah. fuck up. I, I don't care. It's your job. Mike Houston, and, and look, we've had Mike Houston on the podcast. I sat here in this very room. I looked at him or through this very screen, and I interviewed him, and I had a blast doing it. Uh, the times I've talked to him, he's been a great guy. Love talking to him. Hope, he, hope it works out here, Mike. But this is a fan base, probably the most loyal fan base in the group of five. And you're going to call them out? You're going to call them out. For what? For getting on to you for not doing your damn job? Yeah. Mike, that shit's not going to fly. They're not booing the they're not booing the players. I, I can tell you that right now. And, and, that, and that, was, that was gonna be my point. We not we not booing the players, right? It, it, like the, the 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 fat guy drinking his beer sitting on the recliner is not mad at the players. We are strictly mad at the coaching staff. We want you to know we're upset with the coaching staff, not the players. So don't don't come at the fan base. This fan base has supported you, has supported this program, donates money. As I mean, Eastern North Carolina supports this team. And for you to come in and give the same BS press conference every damn week and not make any changes when your team is one and eight because you're abysmal offense because you didn't develop a quarterback because you couldn't bring in and recruit an offensive line 
That's on you, Mike. That's on you, Donnie. That that's solely on y'all. The 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 beauty of it all though is that this offseason is going to give us so much clarity because now the seat is as hot as it's ever been for Mike and that coaching staff. They understand that this season is going to be what it is. We could finish one and eleven, maybe, maybe win a couple more games. Honestly, it doesn't even really matter. The season is fucking washed at this point. So the offseason is going to determine people's jobs and especially specifically Mike Houston. Like we're, we're going to see if he is the guy, if he can actually turn this around, get this he program one around quickly. And cause he, it's year five. He ain't got, he ain't got five more years left. No. He got next year. He got next year. Mike gets and one more it. year. So this is like, like we're really like the beauty, the beauty out of all this darkness and, and this bad season is going to be that we're going to know exactly what we have as a coach and as a coaching staff next year. And if it's still the same BS, we appreciate your time. Sayonara. Good luck. Good luck in your future endeavors. So. Yeah. I mean, already if Mike Houston or Donnie Kirk, let's just say if Donnie Kirkpatrick doesn't have a pink slip on his damn desk on November 26th, then they both need a pink slip. You got to fire him. Sayonara. Donnie, if you, even if you want to keep him on as, as an analyst or something, that's fine. He's your friend. I get it. But he can't be the play caller next year. He cannot be calling in plays for this offense next year. You just can't. You just can't. Already, any, anything else on on ECU Tulane? No, no, nothing else. E- even even in the loss, um, I'll just finish with this tremendous effort defensively the entire game, offensively in the first quarter. But um, we we were there, we were there. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on these kids like that 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 hard. Tremendous effort to keep a team ranked that high, that good, that close with you the entire game. So. I, I'm not upset at all at the players. We've said time and time again, this is a player podcast. We're friends with a lot of the players. We, we try to be friends with a lot of the players. We talk to them like we're friends. Okay? This is nothing against the players. This is solely against the offensive coordinator and the lack of leadership from the top down. And and the lack of leadership, Artie, has spilled down. And I I don't want to talk about this too much longer. We're going to talk about FAU here in a minute. Uh, The lack of leadership, and you can tell, the lack of leadership has dropped all the way through. And that has reached the players. It doesn't, there's not a true leader on this team. Yeah, you've got Jeremy Lewis on the defense. You can see him. He's he's the guy on the defense, him and Julius Wood. On the offense, there's no leader. There's no leader on this offense at all, outside of Rajay Harris. And, I mean, he's coming off an injury. Look, Rajay had a pretty good game this past week, probably his best game of the, of the season. But overall, 
this offense and this team doesn't have a leader. There's no guy that's the the one that's calling the shots from the players, and that's because they haven't been enabled from the coaching staff. Yeah. I mean, this culture, it was great last year. It was great last year. Culture was great. Vibes were phenomenal last year. This year, not so much. Artie, your your thoughts on on that? Yeah, and the, the only the only the one thing I will say when it comes to the players, though, um, you do because the, the coaches cannot do everything when it comes to the leadership of the players. Your senior mentality, your 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 upperclassmen, your guys that have been in the program for a while, they do have to step up and kind of galvanize the team at times, even if there's a disconnect with the coaches. Even if there's some disagreement, even if the, the culture might be a little off, there does have to be some guys in that locker room, offense and defense, players only meetings, low side meetings, like, hey, like, like we go, we're about to come together and write this shit. Even if it's just us, even if it's just the players riding it, just us on our own, we're gonna come together and, and do this thing. There does have to be some sort of leadership on both sides of the ball. And that's just, I mean. The coach's job is to recruit that kind of leadership, recruit guys with that mentality, but it is still up to the players themselves to go out and, and actually do that. Um, so that's the only thing that I'll I'll, I'll say, but um, yeah. For sure. Well, Artie, enough talk about, about Tulane ECU, enough talk about the coaching staff for East Carolina, about the piss-poor season that we're having. Let, let's turn our sights – the Florida Atlantic, the Owls. Boca Raton, baby. Boca. We're going to have Ken LaVica, play-by-play voice of Florida Atlantic University and midday host of ESPN West Palm on the podcast. Kevin, or Ken, sorry. Ken, sorry. I- I- How's it going, Ken? How's it going, Ken? Good, guys. Good. Good to talk to you. And uh, I, uh, I I apologize for the uh, the piss poor coaching staff uh, there in Greenville, but it's good to talk to you guys, and it's good to uh, to, to round two of the all time FAU ECU series. This is going to be fun. Yeah. I believe. I believe the. I believe the last time last time that ECU played. FAU played was when was when Justin Hardy Justin Hardy had, had, the, crazy had the crazy cat in the end zone in the end zone in Pickle Pickle Stadium. That uh, that is that. Thank you for reminding me uh, about that. Appreciate it. Uh, it was also FAU's Conference USA debut. Uh, that uh, that lone trip to uh, to Greenville, and so now uh, East Carolina was able to pick up a win last year at FAU without FAU even being there. Uh, and so now welcoming the pirates in, uh, looking forward to it, really, really looking forward to it. And, uh, I'll tell you what, Tom Herman, you guys might be frustrated with your football team, but Tom Herman says this defense is totally real deal. They are, uh, they've been really, really digging in this week. For sure. Artie. For sure. Artie. 
Yeah, and yeah, just, and just, just you know, you know, about about it has been, has been kind of up and down season. season. Five, but honestly, the season in the American hasn't been too bad. Sitting at three and two um, in the American. Um, how do you feel about, you know, kind of just their, their initial season in the American, how the season's gone? Some good wins, some bad wins. How do we feel overall about FAU this year? This year, yeah, it's just been very inconsistent. It's been it, it's it's been frustrating, but there's also been quarterback injury. Uh, there's been retooling in offense because of that. There have been significant injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They've been able to overcome that, but then there's also like the, the scope of our conversation changes completely if FAU is able to finish off UAB last week. So now you go from being in the discussion for having a chance to play in the AAC title game to now you're going to have to really grind it out for bowl eligibility. And so that's that's been frustrating for Tom Herman and his coaching staff. Uh, FAU is, is more than competitive, more than competent in this league. Uh, it's It's just been a matter of, inheriting a club that didn't do much winning uh, and it shows when it comes to winning time in these games that, and it might sound coach speaky and kind of lame, but I do think that there's a tangible mental aspect to the game of rising to the occasion when it's time to close out a game and FAU has not quite gotten to that point where they can consistently do that. And that's been the biggest problem. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that I think that that one of the that, things that, that one we're, of the things that we're we're seeing from ECU is they're not able to close out games and and they they've had leads in fourth quarters. Seems like that that's similar for what's going on down there in, in Boca. Talk to us a little bit. I mean, are is it that they're not able to score in the fourth quarter or or keep scoring late into the game late or, into the game or, or, or how is or, that? How, how is that? Yeah, it's dependent on the game. Against UTSA, FAU jumped out to a double-digit lead right away, but in the second half, the offense disappeared. Uh, against Clemson, uh, the offense couldn't stop giving the ball away, and uh, the offense then showed up in the second half and at least made it relatively competitive. Against Illinois, FAU's offense just could not find late the explosive play they needed. The defense... It sits seventh in the league in scoring defense. Uh, based on the amount of yards that the defense allows at FAU, you would think it would be more. They've done a formidable job there, but it's the explosive plays at inconvenient times that have hurt FAU. So it's really a mixed bag. With East Carolina, it's very one side of the ball heavy. You know the defense is going to be there. Can the offense at least put East Carolina in a position to hang around and maybe have a chance to win the game? But you know the defense is going to carry the day. FAU is much more balanced, but the inconsistencies on both sides have shown at very inconvenient times throughout the course of the year, but especially in the non-conference where it really hurt FAU. And cannot, I want to ask specifically about Tom about. Herman, right? Because that's a name that around college football, a lot of people know the name Tom Herman was at Houston, was at Texas. Um, now he comes to FAU. What do you guys feel about his ability to, to lead that program and get them back uh, to a place where they want to be? I, I think that there's a comfort in, in having a coach who has been in this league 
who uh, even at Texas, and uh, I mean, Texas fans like to use Tom Herman as a punchline, but I mean, he, he was a, a good football coach there. Uh, I mean, there's still a contingent that believes that kind of got screwed. And uh, I, I tend to believe he kind of got screwed there, but it's just a different planet there in, in Austin. But he's a guy who comes in, he's confident in his plan. He's confident in his team's preparation. The guy's brilliant. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I mean, he's a Mensa member. So who am I to, to argue with his IQ and his intelligence? So uh, he's, it, it's, it's just, it, it, and I don't want to disparage previous coaching staffs, but it, there's just a level of organization, of development, of preparation that was different than uh, the last couple of years. And uh, it's comforting. I think that it's 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 built for sustainable success. I think what Coach Herman has realized, though, is that despite the fact that there is a lot of talent on this FAU roster, it still requires some molding and some manipulating because there are holes at certain positions. The depth maybe isn't what he thought it might be when he when he took the job. And just from a mentality standpoint, this is no longer Lane Kiffin's FAU. Uh, all, all of that contingent uh, has now left Boca, that, that winning DNA, that winning mindset for whatever that's worth. And so that process has really had to, to hit the reset button, and that's very much still a work in progress. But uh, he he believes in his process. He has studied his process. It's been tried and true at other places. And I, I mean, honestly, the inconsistencies this year, have they been frustrating? Sure. But you're on your second quarterback of the year, and he's turned into one of the more explosive quarterbacks in the American uh, when you have a receiving core that basically has uh, one massively impact player and that one massively impact player, nobody can figure out how to defend him, and he's the nation's best receiver, Lejante Wester. So they're they're making do with what uh, what they have, especially from a depth standpoint right now. Yeah, I was going to ask about that connection between Daniel Rich- Richardson and, and Lejante. Uh, what what's that like? I mean, I believe Daniel Richardson has like fifteen hundred yards and a thousand of them. Are, Le- are to Lejante like that? That's insane. Yeah. I mean, to have a have a receiver with a thousand receiving yards when your quarterback has just fifteen hundred passing yards. Yeah, uh, Lejante Wester, who by the way grew up in the hometown of Willie Taggart, and that really was the connection between Willie Taggart and Lejante that uh, led to him being recruited to FAU. Uh, his brother Jalen Wester is one of the key players defensively, linebacker at FAU. Um, but Lejante always had decent speed, always had decent size. Was always he has good football instincts, but he had hands issues the last couple of years. He would make a tough catch, and then he's running a post route. He's two steps behind the DB and flat off the palms. And so you're thinking, when can can he find a consistent production base? And well, it, it arrived this year. So FAU from a receiving standpoint though, outside of Lejante, it's 
It's thin. They have not gotten consistent production from anybody else. It is not a deep position uh, within this roster, yet the combination of Tom Herman and Charlie Fry, the FAU offensive coordinator, and uh, Lejante and his fantastic route running ability have found ways to get him into the open. And the thing about Daniel Richardson that you're going to see on Saturday is he's He's very Chad Pennington Tua-esque. And again, I'm not putting him in the conversation of guys who uh, have had or had success in the NFL. What I'm saying, though, is can he put some zip on the ball? Sure. Can he throw a fastball? No. But does he know where to place the ball? Does he have really good timing, especially with Lejante? For sure. Can he keep defenses off balance because he can get rid of the ball quick? and puts it in a place for a receiver to make a play, for sure. And Lejante has really taken to that. And the thing about Lejante Wester, too, is that he is a, a big yards after the catch guy. He does not want to just catch it and go down. He wants to fight for yardage. He's dependable with his hands. And he's just always open. He is a matchup nightmare because he'll put different routes on you. Charlie Fry has done a really good job of of scheming for him to even everybody's focusing on him you know who's going to get the ball but they're finding ways to continue to get him the ball uh he can do it on an intermediate route he can do it on a post route he can find a cushion in the defense he can beat you on a jet sweep he's just a fascinating football player and tom herman says he could have played for me at ohio state he could have played for me at texas he could have played for me at houston he is the for sure sunday guy on this fau roster Gotcha, gotcha. I'm real interested in that matchup because, you know, our, our defense is the best thing we have to offer at, at ECU at the moment. And having LeJonte go up against that that defense of ours, if we are able to, because obviously we're not going to stop him, but if we are able to slow him down, who is anybody else on that offense that could give our defense some troubles come Saturday? Well, I, I, Larry McCammon is – his production this year doesn't suggest it, but he is a very dangerous running back. And he is, is big and strong and physical. Uh, and uh, I mean, speaking of good defenses, FAU went to Charlotte and Larry McCammon absolutely ran all over them. Here's the concern for Tom Herman is that the East Carolina defense is significantly different than the Charlotte defense. Charlotte relies on edge rushers to really, that's what that whole defensive scheme is predicated on. And Tom Herman's point today when, when I was talking with him is, hey, at East Carolina, you've always got five guys in the box, no matter the offensive set. You can spread it out as much as you want. You've always got five guys in the box to defend the run. And he said that East Carolina might have the best collection of corners uh, and the way they play in the entire American. So right there, Lejante Wester, can he get open? If Lejante Wester is struggling to find his way like he did three weeks ago in a loss to UTSA, can Larry McCammon run the ball? Well, East Carolina defends the run fairly well, too. So I, I, I asked him flat out, what did you do against Charlotte that you'd be able to apply uh, another good defense with East Carolina, and he said they're not even close to the same type of defense. This is a whole new set of challenges that you have to navigate around. We felt we could pick apart Charlotte based on what they're good at. It's very difficult to pick apart East Carolina based on all of the things they're good at defensively.
For sure. Yeah, and I can I have I have a question about I'm gonna switch it up a little bit. FAU has kind of become that place where head coaches go to kind of revive their careers. I mean, we we talk about Willie Taggart, we talk about Lane Kiffin, Tom Herman. Talk to us a little bit more about like why you think that that might be the case. I think it starts with the fact that you can take two steps out of your door and there's going to be a kid running a 4440 as a junior in high school. Like that that first and foremost is very helpful. Um, you know, that that Palm Beach County, Treasure Coast, Broward County, Miami-Dade County, within 40 minutes of your campus, you're able to it's it's a, a veritable kid in a candy store scenario from a recruiting standpoint, right? And so that's helpful. Two, FAU football and Florida Atlantic athletics as a whole is much different than it was when FAU made the trip to Greenville to start their journey in Conference USA now uh, a decade ago. The resources have been put in. There's a whole new football center. Uh, this has become a place where NFL players are going to train in the offseason. Uh, this is a place where there has, has been – a commitment from the community to finally donate, to give gifts, to to buy into the program and administration under AD Brian White. Uh, and I, I I'm not doing this because I think he's he's watching or listening right now. Like this is not me trying to kiss his backside. Like he has he his strength is raising money, and and they've done a really good job of that. So I think that prospective coaches see this as a a place where you never have to rebuild. You might have to fine tune, but you're never going to have to tear it down and then start from scratch and go through a, a five, six, seven year process to get it to a point where it's able to compete for a conference championship. And I think that that's the draw right there because um, you're always going to have a base of talent. How can you mold that talent? How can you accentuate that talent? But also, uh, you have a benefit, a brand new weight room, brand new uh, team facility, brand new fra- practice facility, a, a, a perfectly sized 30,000 seat stadium right in the heart of one of the wealthiest uh, places in the country. It's it's not a bad life. It is uh, definitely a little bit of a, a cheat code to college football success if you use it the right way. I'm not saying that, that they're coming to take the easy way out, but I think they see FAU, the resources, both recruiting and just on campus, and it's a way to build something in a little bit more expedited fashion than 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 maybe other places in in mid major college football. Yeah, and that's that's completely fair. And, and Ken, I want to I want to switch gears completely here, um, and because you know the football team, the football program, obviously they have you know switch gears, they they have the you know the new facilities and all that stuff, but that basketball team. We're a basketball school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That definitely went to the final four last year. Last year. And yeah. Definitely have to ask you about that that run because anybody that doesn't follow FAU the way you know you do, Jan and I don't follow FAU like that. That came out of complete nowhere to see them make that kind of magical run, and then to see that they won thirty plus games last year and they didn't lose that man. They were so good. Talk to us about that run to the final four. Their first year, in, you know, in the American basketball. Basketball has started up. Uh, so, what are their chances to win the American, which they they very well can do? and then make another uh, run to the uh, Final Four. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're picked to win the American. Uh, they have the co-preseason uh, players of the year in the American, and uh, Elijah Martin and Nellie Davis. Elijah was on the uh, all-tournament team last year. Um, so, Dusty May, this is – and I, I hope as this year goes on, the story continues to get told just how absolutely miraculous it is what Dusty May has done at FAU. I mean, guys, I've been at Florida Atlantic for damn near 20 years. This is my 18th basketball season at FAU. And before Dusty May came to Boca Raton uh, six seasons ago, I had called two winning years at FAU. Uh, above 500 is what I'm talking about, winning years at FAU. It was nondescript. It was nary a blip on the college athletics radar. It was completely irrelevant in, in South Florida. College basketball already is not a, a, a big-time follow in South Florida, let alone a team that struggles to win 11 games every single season. So as you can imagine, I saw a lot of 100, 200, maybe even 50 people crowds in, uh, in in my time at FAU. And then Dusty May comes in and it was steady improvement. He's never had a losing season um, in his six years. So that in and of itself would have been enough to start writing the Dusty May book on the miracle that he's producing in, in Boca Raton. Uh, five straight above 500 seasons. I mean, he's he he comes in as basketball messiah to, to FAU. But then um, what happened last year and you started the, – the season before, it ended in a loss to UAB in the quarterfinals of the Conference USA tournament. But that team – had really started to come together the final like five weeks of that season. You started to see some flashes of guys that were making impact, starting to feel comfortable, felt like they belonged a little bit. They had expectations they could win 22, 23 games last year, be in the conference title race in the final couple of weeks of the season. Uh, they felt like they matched up well in a, a conference tournament, but then they win at Florida, the third game of the regular season. Then they don't lose again for 20 games after that, including defeating the regular season champs from the season before North Texas, now in the American, beating UAB, who is the preseason pick to win the conference. They get ranked for the first time in program history in January, and then it started to become real. And then you started to feel like, wait, there might be something going on. Um, and then the Ken, the Ken Palm ratings and the net rankings, FAU's darlings there. So you look at that, and it's gone from uh, oh, Conference USA, you got to win the league to get into the NCAA tournament to, oh, my God, is this an at-large team? They're top 10 in the net rankings with six weeks left to go in the season. Um, so as it goes on, you realize FAU is the best team. The NCAA tournament talk is very real. You win the regular season championship. You keep winning. You blow out UAB in the title game. Um, and like for me, in my time at FAU, going to the NCAA tournament, that was the one bucket list thing left. Like I'm good. That's good. But we sat there in Columbus on that Friday and watched Fairly Dickinson just boat race Purdue in the second half. And I'm not going to lie. We're all sitting there, and you start thinking, what if, what if, what if? 
Um, but going against Memphis, I mean, we got screwed with the seed. Let's be honest. FAU at, th- at that point, 31 wins, should not have been a nine seed. Uh, and so it was a classic case of the selection committee trying to get rid of as many mid-majors as possible, which backfired gloriously last year. And uh, we get Memphis. That epic game comes down to the wire. You win that. You go against Fairleigh Dickinson. Of course, that had to be harder than it needed to be. Um, but then to do everything that FAU did in New York, Tennessee had come off a bullying Duke. Dusty May was confident that they could go in and out-rebound Tennessee, out-execute Tennessee, and sure enough, that's what happened. And then it was an absolute classic against Kansas State to get to the Final Four. So part of me still can't believe that it happened. Um, it, it is stunning. And then to bring everybody back, like I'm telling you guys, at Madison Square Garden during the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, these FAU players are showing Dusty May their DMs of assistant coaches or AAU coaches representing other schools in their DMs, trying to poach them, trying to get – it was disgusting. And it's just so gross. Um, but then to have everybody come back and to be able to run it back – and who knows what this season's going to bring. A top 10 ranking. I still can't believe FAU is starting the season in the top 10. It blows my mind in every conceivable fashion. Um, but it is, it is wild. And what I'll say, we just got done with our first road trip of the year, went up to Chicago, be Loyola last night. We're the only team in the top 25 that doesn't charter. We're definitely the only team in the top 10 that doesn't charter. Our budget, even after a final four run, doesn't dictate we can do that. So these guys are still grinding away in airports, uh, and, and flying commercial seven, one Vlad golden, just requesting his aisle seat for three hour flights. So nothing's changed. We're, we're still grinding away. Um, but this is what these guys know. And I respect the hell out of it. And it's, it's an awful lot of fun. Yeah. I love it. I love it. For sure. Yeah. And for I was sure, going yeah, to ask, I was going to ask on last night. I mean, play Loyola, Chicago, the, the barstool invitational seemed like a pretty cool thing. I, I don't, I can't remember if y'all played during the first game or the the second game. Did, did they do that basketball thing at halftime? Basketball match that took place. Yeah, man. <laughs> I I so I'm a stoolie. If you've listened to this podcast long enough, I'm a stoolie. I watch the yak every single day, every day, one o'clock. I'm watching the yak, watching them play basketball, do do their thing. So uh, that that had to be a cool experience, but also. Secondly to that, did you at least get to meet Sister Jean? Jean? Uh, I did. I did meet Sister Jean. Uh, so, yeah, she she came in uh, right as tip was happening. So I was already on the air. But at halftime, I made sure to go over and uh, and say hi to Sister Jean. And uh, so that was cool. And the, the Loyola students, it was basically a road game for FAU. It was at a neutral site, but it was a road game. And it was, it was jammed with Loyola fans. Their campus is only 15 minutes away. Uh, so to see, though, the, how they treat Sister Jean, and she, she legitimately is the, the human mascot of Loyola basketball, and she loves it. Like it's, that's, that's like the, the, the glistening uh, part of her existence is Loyola basketball and the love she gets from the students. So, yes, she was, she was forget the Final Four team. She was the main attraction last night, and uh, I, I did introduce myself. Like Portnoy, Big Cat, PFT, all those guys, Frank, whatever. 
Sister Jean, that was the priority. I got that taken care of. Love it. For sure. Well, Ken, best of luck to you uh, this, this weekend and, and as the season progresses. I hope you all get bowl eligible, but I hope it's not done this weekend. Uh, <laughs> not not going to say that it's not going to happen this weekend. I guess I guess you all have four wins. You got two more to get. But um, go ahead and tell everybody where, where they can follow you and, and uh, hear you hear your stuff uh, this weekend. Yeah, uh, on social media at KLV1063. And uh, then uh, you can, uh, for for those up in uh, in Greenville, if you wanted to hear the FAU side of the broadcast, which, I mean, you guys are in very capable hands uh, with, uh, with your own uh, broadcast team. But uh, uh, the Fox Sports 643 app, go ahead and fire that up and uh, give it a listen. And I appreciate you guys looking forward. If you, if you get down to bulk at any, uh, at any time, hit me up. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I've got some clients down there in the Boca, Miami area that I'm trying to, I'm trying to visit sometime very soon. So Boca is definitely on the bucket list. No, absolutely. Use it as a tax write-off. You'll be fine. It's no big deal. (laughs) For, for, For sure. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. Have a good one. Appreciate it, Ken. Hey, thank you. That was Ken Lavica, play-by-play voice of the FAU Owls. Artie, how you feeling, man? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Now, you asked me how I feel about this game? Yeah, yeah. Shit. You know how I feel about this game, but... I mean, look, you know, FAU has been up and down all year. They're they're sitting at four and five, um, but they're at home. You know, Tom Herman is a really good coach, and you know, obviously they 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 have that receiver that is flat out amazing. Um, I think I, I just think it's going to be a typical ECU game. I just I, I can't. We're sitting at one and eight. I, I just don't have any faith that we're going to be able to pull something like this off. Um, I feel like it's it's going to be one of those typical. Yeah, we're in it. Yeah, you're, you're going to watch the whole game because ECU's not getting blown out. But I just don't. It doesn't feel like an ECU victory. Could it be? Hope so. I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful, but uh, it doesn't feel that way. My my thing is is it sounds like FAU has had the same problems this year that ECU has had. They've just been able time. to pull off a little bit more wins. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So just from look. I'll be honest with you, I haven't watched a single damn FAU game. No, not a second. Ever. Well, I wouldn't say ever. Not I, this season I haven't watched a single. I have yeah. never I've never tuned into FAU. But when when Lane Kiffin was there, I was watching a few FAU games. They were exciting to watch. Man, is Lane Kiffin Lane Kiffin's my favorite head football coach in college football. I, I would I've I've always said this, I would love to play for Lane Kiffin. If I'm a D1 college athlete, I would love to play for Lane Kiffin. That's just it's going to be a good time. You're going to have you're going to have fun. You're gonna have a good opportunity to win a lot of football games. So, my my wife, who does not even watch, doesn't care about college football, football in general. We went to a friend's house a couple of years ago when it was uh, Ole Miss at Tennessee, and, and somebody threw the would they throw a golf ball at him or a, or yeah. <laughs> and he held it up. And, he's so uh, petty, man. He's the, he's the right kind of petty. He just doesn't care. Has he made some mistakes? Yeah, he's made some mistakes, but I mean, he's just, he's, he's a funny asshole. You can't, I don't know, for some reason, you just can't just be mad at a funny asshole. I, I, I love it. I love, I, I love Lane Kiffin. This is a Lane Kiffin podcast. We're, we're, we're pro Lane Facts. Kiffin here. Facts. I mean, he's going to be the next head coach at Alabama, is he not? 
I would think he would have, yeah. I mean, when, when Saban does want to go ahead and, and, and kick the bucket, which yeah, he Saban got a few more years. He ain't going nowhere for a couple more years. But uh, I feel like – Hell, he, Mac Brown's still ca- coaching. I, I I feel like Kiffin's on the short list of people that could be at Alabama on the sidelines, yeah. Him, Kirby Smart. But I don't think Kirby Smart leaves Georgia. Yeah, I mean, Kirby, Kirby's got it great. There's no need to leave Georgia. Everything well, he's going to get at Alabama, he already has at Georgia. It, it makes no sense to leave. Maybe Steve Sarkeesian. I, I don't. Lane Kiffin is primed to be the next head coach of Alabama. Yeah. Either way, look, Nick, Nick Saban's going to handpick that, though. They, they, they're going to put that in the hands of Nick Saban. Who do you think should be your predecessor to come and lead this? It's going to be like Coach K at Duke, who gave it to John Shire. Like, Nick Saban's going to be all over that, 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 that pick. So, for sure. Well, ECU and FAU will open the season. Or open the open conference play this year against each other. Yeah, uh, I believe down in Boca. Uh, I yeah, I think you're right. I think that's in Boca Raton. Yep. That, that's yeah. That's an away game. Going to be on ESPN two. Start start the new year fresh on ESPN two. ECU at Boca or at FAU in Boca. Um, I mean, looking at their schedule in basketball, their their schedules they got a pretty decent schedule. They play. Uh, Illinois at home. Mm-hmm. I believe that's at home. It may be one of those. Hey, we're playing in a midseason tournament things. Play Arizona at home. Mm. They got two top twenty-five teams coming into into their stadium. Open. Yeah. So uh, play. Yeah, they played the number twelve team in the country, Arizona, and then a week later go to Florida Gulf Coast. Have a road game against Florida Gulf Coast. So look they're, they're just they're just trying to go ahead and pad that resume because they, they're trying to go another uh, deep run. They returned pretty much everyone. So they're yeah. trying to make another deep run. I mean got Bryant who I mean has made a couple uh in I believe Bryant made the tournament last year. Butler on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um I mean St. Bonaventure, another perennial tournament team so i mean this team is, is they gotta they got the re- they all have the resume at the end of the year to uh make another deep run and hopefully that resume also includes a loss to east carolina university uh because ecu basketball is hot hey men's, look men's and women's that that opening matchup Look, I, I I don't remember all of ECU's non-conference slate to to begin the year, but ECU could could have a lot of wins to 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 not too many losses going into Boca Raton for that opening conference game uh, matchup. So that that could be one to watch. Yeah, I was, I was looking. I believe ECU is, uh, I should say favored, but they're predicted to win all of their non-conference games except for the one against. Uh, I believe it's F- Florida, and then I think they're maybe we got, we got South Carolina and Florida back to back. I know that we're we're actually predicted to win, beat South Carolina, um, by the FPI. South South Carolina is not very good this year. Um, George Mason is the other one that's that's predicted to win on, to beat us. Um, okay, which George Mason pretty decent. What are they, A-10? Pretty decent A-10 team. Yeah, George Mason, I mean, they, they they come out of nowhere every, like, four or five years with a really good basketball team, so. But, and then, I mean, women started off beating the crap out of Elon, and then 
turned right around this week or th- tonight. Really, I was I was listening to friend of the podcast Courtney Layton. I, I texted her during the broadcast. I said, if you can say for me, Shamalama Ding Dong or Bad Why Bone, you just in trouble now. Why? We'll, be, we'll be best friends forever. And she, she didn't say either me? of them. She she and, texted and, me back. And she shouldn't have. She should have. When's the last time you heard somebody say that? 2001? Stop it, ding dong. Stop it. Hey, talk, think about the content. It's all about content, Artie. We're all in the content game here. Stop it. <laughs> ECU women's basketball dropped, uh, what was it, 105? That's absurd. I, I Like, Jared, 105. For those that don't really know college basketball, anytime you score over 80, men, men's or women, anytime you score over 80 points in college basketball, you did the damn thing. Because defense is, is a whole lot more prevalent in college basketball. The 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 skill of shooting on the men's and women's side is a lot less than it is in your professional leagues. So the fact that you can score 105 in a college basketball game, goodness gracious. Already, they beat them by 70. They, they did that. All right? You, they did that. You hear me? That's crazy. My, my, my mom, who's staying at the house tonight, uh, we were watch, I was watching the game before we recorded, and, and she looked at me, and she said, it was probably, at one point, it was like 46 to 6. Like, it was bad. It was real bad. Um, but at one point, it was like 60 to 11 or 60 to like 13. And my mom looked at me and she said, uh, why, don't, why don't they let up on them? And I said, fuck them. Fuck that. No. No. That's, that's the mentality you have to have in college college basketball. Hey. This ain't Pop Warner football. You don't get no mercy rule. No. Then my wife at dinner asked me, do they not do like in baseball where, where like if you're winning, you don't play like the fourth quarter? And I was like. So man, they don't play the bottom of the ninth because the game's <laughs> over. <laughs> I, t- I told her, you want to talk about a content idea, Ar- Artie? I told Savannah the other day, I was like, yeah. here's a podcast we need to do. Maybe we'll do this as a segment every once in a while. I'll have Savannah on the podcast and it'll be, a, it'll be just, we're going to just mansplain. We're going to mansplain to her things about sports. Look, man, I, I love Savannah. I, I really do. Because she there like she just does she don't she puts up with me. She don't she only she only cares like just like the like the smallest teeny weeny bit because of you. Savannah don't give a damn about none of these sports. She don't care at all. I love Savannah, man. <laughs> but I, I said we we should just have a podcast where you ask me questions about sports because you know nothing about sports. And I talk to you about sports <laughs> and we'll just call it mansplaining. Um, all right, Artie. Yo. Walk the plank. Do you have one? Uh, yeah. To all these, uh, to all these player haters hating on my Michigan Wolverines, y'all can walk the damn plank, man. All these damn people living in glass, throwing stones, living in glass houses. That's, that's all I say. You're living in a glass house, throwing stones. Stop player hating. This shit is let let the due process take its course, all right. And at the end of the day, 
even with the due process, stop acting like these other programs are not sharing signals like we've heard or not doing the same thing that Michigan is doing or they got to punish the kids. Punish the kids for what? If you're going to do anything, yeah, punish Harbaugh, whatever you want to do to the coaching staff. But the kids are still the kids. Michigan's got 15 players going to get drafted anyway, minimum. Like we like like they like they're legitimately going out here just being that team, just being that much better. They're still going out here playing the games. All you play haters can walk the damn plank. That's all I got to say. I saw I saw a funny tweet already. It was like the difference between Michigan and then the Ohio State Rutgers thing is Ohio State and Rutgers was like the the kid that took the test in the first period. And then talk to his buddy and who was taking the same test in third period. Michigan was like the kid that broke into the teacher's desk and stole the answer key. Look, I don't care. The guy was taking videos on a cell phone. I take videos on a, on myself. I take videos on my cell phone all the time at football games. Like, come on now. Like, get over it. It happens Michigan everywhere. Happens we had a whole fan. We have a whole fan base that still believes that ECU stole a playbook <laughs> last year. Yeah, like, come on, man. What are we doing? They are still talking to us about that. What are we doing? Every once in a while, I'll come across a stray UCF fan, Central Florida fan. They don't like that. Who gets? Who says? Oh well, we would have beat y'all had we not had y'all's. Or had y'all not had our playbook? Bitch, we beat you by two touchdowns. Two uh, or three touchdowns, I think. We beat the we beat the shit out of you. You weren't gonna beat us. You still gotta go out there and play the game, bro. If we got better players than you, we just got better players than you. Artie, I do think that ECU might be two and seven had Michigan not stolen their their signals. No. You broke out you broke out. Say it again. I said uh, EC might be two and seven instead of one and eight had Michigan not stolen their signals. <laughs> hey, look, every every time I look back on it, though, EC, uh, not EC, but Michigan has, has blown out Big Ten opponents by a whole lot more than they blew out ECU. I mean, we beat Michigan State 49 to zero. So I, I give I give ECU and that defense some credit, man. We went to Ann Arbor and did our thing. Mi- so. Michigan State. You can do a whole walk the plank around Michigan State this season. Yeah, that's, that's just – that's a matter. I mean, with their coach and texting some consultant, throwing Adolf Hitler on the Jumbotron. <laughs> hold on, hold on. What did, I didn't even hear about that. They threw Hitler on the Jumbotron. You didn't hear about this? <laughs> what? Oh. They threw Hitler on the Jumbotron. Damn. Yeah. I, I thought I followed the Big Ten heavy. I'm out the loop. I did not hear about that. So they did like you know how sometimes they'll do trivia and whatnot up on the big screen, yeah. Before a game, but like while no, nobody's really paying attention. At Michigan State earlier this year, there was a some intern or somebody thought it was a good idea to ask a question about where was Adolf Hitler born, and it was a picture of Adolf Hitler right there on the jumbotron. Bro, what? Yeah. Needless to say, that intern or whoever it was. Not there no more. Is no longer employed. Please. Then you talk about their coach and there's this the scandal that he's dealing with. Yeah. All in all, uh, 
Thank you, Josh. Shout out, Josh. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then they lost to James Madison this past weekend in basketball. Isn't that their second straight loss? They lost the opening game, too, right? I don't know. They, they came no, into no, the season no, no, ranked. No, that, was, that was their first loss. I'm sorry. James Madison was their first loss. That they was, came that into the season loss. ranked top yeah. four and lost to James Madison. Um, yeah. Which, James Madison, man. James Madison in the in the span of one weekend went eight and got to eight zero on the season in football, ranked in the top twenty five in football, uh, beat the number four team in basketball and beat the number one team in the country in soccer. James, look, James Madison on the up and up, they on the up. Uh, and people are mad about them not being bowl eligible. Sorry, Crimea River. No, that's no that's that's bullshit. That screw the screw, screw the NCAA for that a, a two year ban, and they're a top twenty five team. All right, they, they're clearly they're clearly the best team in their conference. That's that's bullshit. They they knew what they were doing when they when they Yet signed. Another reason why the NCAA should not be the legislative authority of college athletics. Free Cam Hayes. Free Cam Hayes. Do that before you do anything else with James Madison. Nobody gives a shit about James Madison. Nah, that's bullshit, man. Uh, James Madison will come to Dowdy and whoop our ass. Tell you that. Been there, done that. (laughs) So. Thanks, Mike Houston. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My walk the plank. Anybody that's upset about ECU not having Alec Makarevich on the field during the conference championship ring ceremony. Uh, this past weekend, you can walk the damn plank. You can kiss my ass because I'm sorry. Look, had he transferred anywhere else in the country, he'd be on that field. Anywhere else. He transferred to that school down the road in Raleigh, and that's why he's not. And it's not because he transferred there that he's not. he wasn't on the field. That's not the reason. It's because they knew the fan base would have the same reaction that they should have anytime a player transfers from East Carolina to that school down the road in Raleigh. They would boo him. It would it would have spoiled the whole moment for the rest of the team. So if you're upset about it, you can walk the damn plank. I I I the only thing I'll, I'll say to it is I completely understand where you're coming from and I do think he he had the possibility of getting butchered had his name been called on that field or on that field. Um, but he 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 earned to be out there. I mean he, he did. He earned to be out there. He deserved to be out there. I'm not mad that he wasn't. Uh, you're not gonna see me throw up no picket signs and be upset that he wasn't. But I just think he earned his his spot to be out there. Like, why are we still having this conversation? He's no longer part of the team. Yeah, he was part of that team, but he abandoned the team when times got hard. When he found out that he might lose his starting role at third base. He was like, I'm going to go on on off to somewhere where it's a little bit easier. And we all know it's a little bit easier in Raleigh. It is. You, you don't have to play when when it's 75 and sunny out in, in Raleigh. They, they call it a rain delay or they call it, cancel the game because of rain. Look, I'm sorry. But fuck state. At the end of the day, fuck state. <laughs> and you tr- you chose to go there and you can't be mad when 
loyal ECU fans don't want to support you because you've chosen to go there. And ECU did right. Cliff Godwin, John Gilbert, and ECU Athletic Department did right by not inviting him on the field because he would have got butchered. And rightfully so. That's my take. I don't care. I know there's there's other media outlets, other people around Greenville who are saying once a pirate, always a pirate. But that that's true. But I think that there's stipulations uh, along with that. Now, granted, he only would have got booed booed by people under the age of thirty. And anybody over thirty would have would have cheered him on. Like all all the old heads in the stadium, all the parents, they would have all cheered him. It would have been the student section and anybody under the age of 30, they'd have been the only people that booed him. So he would have got booed. It would have been it would have been the loudest that that place got during the ceremony. You think you think seventy year old grandma and, and, and her ECU's best would have been out there booing? <laughs> booing AMAC like that? She should have been. <laughs> I love it. Fuck state. All right, Artie. Gambling corner, Josh fired up. Let's get it. <clears throat> Let's see. What we got first? We got in what we got? NC State East or Wake Forest? Yep. State Wake. State at Wake, right here in our own backyard, Artie. Yeah. Look. What what was uh Buddy's name again? Matt. Matt, Matt, if you're listening Leave to Matt this, alone, man. Matt, if you're listening to this, I want you to know I'm sorry. I this week I is the only week I care about Wake Forest. And I was <laughs> I was once a Wake Forest ball boy. Okay, Matt. I I, I mean, Jared, come on, bro. You 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 are you Lexington born and raised. You you Winston. You are you a Trefo kid, bro. You a Winston kid. How do you not like Wake Forest? I, I went to one of Chris Paul's rival high schools. I I my family had season tickets to Wake. I'll, I'll say that my family growing up had season tickets to Wake. I, if you asked me when I was eight nine years old who my favorite eight team in the ACC was, it was Wake Forest. Okay, my all my family was Duke fans, but I was a Wake Forest kid because smartly, smartly Duke fans. Okay, um, Matt, I'm gonna tell you this. This weekend, people better care about Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, because NC State travels to play to the place that they struggle the most against a team that is struggling to mend their season altogether. NC State already, I believe they've only won there once in the last 20 years inside of a legacy stadium or whatever they call it now, or old BB&T field or whatever they called it. Wake Forest hosts NC State. The House of Horrors for the Wolfpack. Mm. What you got? You know what I got. What score? Uh, give me Wake Forest. Uh, they're, they're plus two and a half. Wake Forest is a two and a half point dog. Um, I'm going to take Wake Forest. I'm going to take the under. Uh, it's supposed to be like the weather's supposed to be pretty crappy, I think, this weekend. Um, I'm going to take Wake Forest, take the under, 
and once again, fuck state. <laughs> I don't. I don't, so, I don't even care about the score. Not so fast, my you friend. Know. Not so fast. Look, Wake Wake Forest. I get that they're at home. I get that they might be a house of horse, fantasy state, but state six and three. They're really not that bad, to be honest with you. And Wake Forest is four and five. They're still reeling. I think State's coming off a good win. I forget who they beat last week, but they're coming off a pretty decent win. State State's going to win this game. They're they're a better football team than Wake Forest. They're going to win this game. So take the uh, I would say take the under, but State's going to win. State State will win this game by ten plus. Mm. They're going to win this game by ten plus. Wake the nation. I still think that that's one of the best uh, marketing jobs done by any college marketing base (laughs) like you did they did wake the neighborhood wake the community wake the nation wake the world or something like that like the tie-dye the jump around like i honestly i missed the tie-dye era at wake that was a cool bring it back man bring back tie-dye era i remember that growing up that was a cool era that that's when that's when i was them and look matt buddy that is when I went to I went to every Wake Forest basketball game. Skip Prosser days. Like I'm somebody that does care about Wake Forest. I'll be honest. <laughs> you but should. The, but at the end of the day, I'm just a troll. So sorry, Matt. <laughs> uh, all right. What's up next? Michigan at Penn State. This should have been my walk the plank already. How do you have Ohio State? Michigan State in the primetime game of the, the week. Slot, bro. This yeah. should be a whiteout inside Beaver Stadium in College Station, or not College Station. What is it? What are they called? State College, Pennsylvania. State College, yeah, State College, Beaver Stadium. Look, this, this is a game. This is a big ball game on Saturday. I mean, noon, a noon kickoff for this matchup is absurd. Absurd. I was hoping to pregame a little bit, be a little. I can't even. I can't even be drunk for this game. I'm just gonna be waking up. This, this game's gonna crazy. be over before the ECU FAU game even starts. It's crazy. I'll try to be drunk for this game. I'll be honest with you. I'll try to be lit for this game, and it's a noon kickoff. You can get lit for a noon kickoff game, man. I'm not waking up at ten o'clock to start drinking. I'm you not. Come ECU. over and help me mow the grass Saturday morning, and we'll drink <laughs> while we do it. Uh, <laughs> I'll drink and watch you cut the grass. The first boss on Michigan's schedule is ready to defend home turf and upset the top of the Big East. Uh, Artie, uh, you go ahead. Say your thing. Yeah, look, you you know who I'm taking in this game. But I, I really think this is this, – this game always scares me. Like, the, the Penn State-Ohio State matchups always absolutely terrify me because they're going to be ready. And Michigan is really good, and all they want to do is ruin our season. And then on top of that, we have this whole sign-stealing scandal going on. So, obviously, Penn State is going to be juiced. Their crowd is going to be juiced. They're going to have signs that are calling us cheaters all over the damn stadium. They're going to be wanting to kick our ass. So, it's going to be a really good game. Like, it's it's going to be close. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. But I truly do believe we just have a better football team than Penn State. I think they got exposed a couple weeks ago at Ohio State. Ohio State's been struggling a little bit, too especially in these first halves. Um, give me the under. These are two really good defenses. It's not going to be a, a whole hell of a lot of sport, points scored in here. I got Michigan. I got Michigan 21-17. 
21-17. Okay. Uh, my gut says Michigan, but my heart says Penn State on this one. That's okay. Hey, I just want to – now that ECU's out of it, show me all the chaos. I, I get it. Hey, look, it, I get it. Penn get State it. beating Michigan and Michigan then beating Ohio State and give me all the chaos. And then whoever wins the Big East, East or the Big Ten East, the Big Ten, <laughs> the Big East. Uh, hey, Artie, I we've been going through a sleep regression here in the house. So uh, I, I said on a meeting earlier this week, I need to get my ducks buttoned up. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, we're we're on the struggle bus now. The in the Big Ten East, give me the in the Big Ten Championship. The Big Ten East champion playing Iowa in a game that there's seven points total scored, and it's an Iowa defensive touchdown. Give that to me for the Big Ten championship. That's what I want. I want the chaos. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. No, this no, honestly, though, Penn, Penn State, Penn State's gonna give us some work on Saturday. I, I am a little nervous about this game because they're gonna be juiced up. There you go. All right. Game of the week. It's time for the game of the week. Artie. Tom Herman enters this weekend looking to continue the winning, to continue winning the winnable games while East U swings for a conference win. An FBS win. Just a win. We still ain't got one of those. (laughs) We still ain't got one of those. If ECU goes one and eleven with their sole win being an FCS win, <laughs> oh my goodness! Everyone should be fired, <laughs> except for Blake Carroll, friend of the podcast, Blake Carroll. Um, Florida Atlantic, who by the way called us Eastern Carolina, and from their own like website, the Florida Atlantic University called us Eastern yeah. Carolina. Jared, Jared, they, they are doing it on purpose at this point. You have to understand they're doing it on purpose. They know wholeheartedly what our damn name is. They're doing it on – I promise you it's to troll. I promise you. Anyways, Florida International University is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home in Boca. EC's only been there once before. They beat South Florida there last year. Um. Seven and a half point favorite over East Carolina, over under 44 and a half. Take the under. I don't care what you do. Take the under. Put your mortgage on the under. I don't care. <laughs> like, do yourself a favor. Take the under. And take the under. Um, East Carolina, Florida Atlantic already. Seven and a half point dogs. Yeah. Your thoughts. Um, give me your score. Yeah, um, I'm going to be honest. I think we scored the same amount of points we did last week. And I just think FAU scores more than Tulane. I, I got 24-10. I, I think FAU wins this game 24-10. Um, they they might score a late garbage touchdown. It'd be like 17-10 for like the longest time. And they'll score a late garbage touchdown, make it 24-10. But I, I think I think – FAU is going to come out. They're, they're going to they're going to get the matchups that they want. I think defensively, 
Um, they're probably going to get the matchups that they want. Probably would like to look at a little more tape on FAU before this weekend. Um, but our offense has shown me nothing to believe that we're going to put up more than 10 points. Period. So I got it 24-10 FAU. Mm. Unless unless out the blue we get a UTSA game, but then, you know, still UTSA, you know, UTSA scored what they scored. So – yeah, but the FAU defense isn't the UTSA defense. Um, ECU 20-17. You pick an ECU victory? Man, cue up the fight song. DJ Khaled. All I do is win, win, win no matter what. I love it, Jared. I love your courage. I love your tenacity. East Carolina University is going to go into Boca freaking Raton with all those uh, with all those con heads that travel down from New York to Boca for the holidays. East Carolina goes in there, punches them in the mouth. Defense scores a touchdown. It's not going to be just the offense. Defense scores a touchdown. <laughs> two field goals, and somehow, some way, Donnie Kirkpatrick finds a way to get his offense to put together one scoring drive and ECU wins the ball game. You can paint that one purple, cash the check. ECU take the under. I'm I'm done. Hey, look, you know what though? If ECU beats FEU, I'm not shocked in the slightest, right? If I'm ECU not wins the next three games, I'm not shocked. Slightest. So you know what? I hope it does. They just haven't they just haven't shown me that they can. It's gonna but happen eventually. ECU's gonna eventually luck into a win. On offense. And why not this weekend? I love it. I love the confidence. Band, cue up the fight song. All right. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. The Boneyard Podcast is proud to be members of the Variety Scor- Sports Podcast Network. Scorts. Scorts. There's always that one girl in, in school that wore a skort. Um, yeah, go uh, go check out Variety Sports Podcast Network. Great content coming out there. Make sure you follow us up, follow us on social media. Jeez, Jared, get your words together. And Artie, I promise, I only had one sip of moonshine before this. Hey, uh, my man needs some sleep. You can hear it in his voice, see it in his eyes. He needs sleep. Follow us on uh, on the Boneyard Podcast at Boneyard Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Wherever you want to engage, engage. I got one shout out already. I've tweeted it out a couple of times this past week. If you are a business, if you are an East Carolina supporting business, supporting Team Boneyard and the NIL, reach out to us. We're offering you a free advertising spot through the rest of the year. All you have to do is be, be donating to Team Boneyard. And hopefully we can set up some kind of promo code or something where every purchase that comes through that with that promo code, you donate X percentage of, of proceeds or whatever back to Team Boneyard. We need you, business owners. If you know a business owner that is an ECU supporter and is donating to the NIL or you think should be donating to the NIL, tell them, hey, call these guys up. DM us. Uh, you can you can find our our number there. Send us an email at boneyardpod at gmail.com. I don't care. 
get in touch with us. We're offering free advertising. We've been talking to Anson Belt for a while now. Um, we're offering it to them. We're offering it to Sup Dogs, whoever. Whoever wants to do it, all you got to do is hit us up. We're here. Free advertising. Okay? And you don't you don't get takes like this anywhere else. You don't get content like this anywhere else. The premier podcast of Pirate Nation. Leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars, you're a friend for life. Friend of the podcast for life. One star, you can walk the damn plank. All right, Artie, say the damn thing. Hey, as always, Pirate Nation, wash your hands, wash your butts. Hey, go Bears. They're playing right now, even though they're probably going to lose to the Washington. Go Bears. But uh, until next time, Pirate Nation, deuce. Peace.